0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about the Thunders' last game against the Dallas Mavericks, the top performers from that game, what we have seen in terms of lottery standings thus far, and I'm also going to be previewing tonight's game against the San Antonio Spurs. And like always, I'm going to be giving you a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that, but starting out first here, I want to talk about the last game against the Dallas Mavericks, Thunder obviously coming off their last stretch of games, had the Cleveland Cavaliers barely nip them after that little comeback, so they ride into uh, this Dallas game with that on their shoulders, and then for Dallas, they have Luka back, they weren't running some other guys, I think they had a A tiny transaction. Marquise Chris is in now. They waive Willie Colley Stein. Didn't really have much of an impact going into the game, though. However, you start things out, and, you know, there's not a lot going on in this first quarter. I will say the stats did look good for the Thunder. They were able to distribute the ball fairly well. SGA and Lou Dort always seem to have that connection early. They combined for 15 of the team's 24 points in the first quarter. But when you compare them to the Mavericks, just could not really stack up with them. Had Luka doing Luka things, nine points there. Dwight Powell, he's kind of been a beast whenever he plays against the Thunder. Now, he's been dealing with injuries the last couple seasons, but when he's on, he's on. And that was last night, or two nights ago, I guess. Eight points in the first quarter for him. They are outscoring the Thunder 33 to 24 going through the first 12 minutes and statistically didn't look bad for the Thunder I'll say offensively but uh, they could not contain the Mavs when they drove inside took nine foul shots stuck nine of them gave them a plus six advantage there because the Thunder only went three of six from the charity stripe did shoot three of seven from distance though so they had something to build off of going into the second quarter And then everything just fell apart. Nothing worked for OKC in this second quarter. It really just called for disaster. SGA, as we know, is the star of this team. If he's not feeling it, you got to kind of outsource your offense and someone else sort of has to take over. And no one did. SGA did not hit a field goal in this second quarter. Luckily, he got to the line, hit four of four foul shots. But four points isn't going to do it for you. And Mark Dagnall was kind of, he was scrambling, I'd say, in the rotation, put in 10 different guys to try to bolster something, get something running on the offensive end, but it never came up. They shot just 30% in the second quarter, 6 of 30, or 6 of 20, excuse me, and a lot of elements just kind of fell apart for them too uh, when they were looking downtown. And that's what we started to see when they're shooting low percentage shots oftentimes they just start going out to the perimeter and that's exactly what happened 50% of their shots in the quarter came from downtown they shot just one of 10 from there so they were not picking up buckets in a pretty good fashion uh, And they only had three assists too so kind of just the half court stagnation not much was going on and as a result of that you're not getting any sort of buckets here Uh, The one little silver lining is, of course, inside. They shot 5 of 10, but does it really matter when you're shooting 30% in all and you're only able to bottle up 18 points? Not very good. And you would think, based off of that, this would have been a blowout. The Mavs were killing it in the first quarter. Already had 33 points, but they also failed to capitalize as well, so a lifeline was thrown OKC was only down by 11 going into halftime because the Mavs only scored 20 points and they were shooting just 38% and went one of eight from downtown as well. So this was like some wreck league that we were watching during that second quarter. Luka Doncic played nine minutes, didn't hit a field goal, only had two points from the line. And you didn't see anybody outside of Dorian Finney-Smith notching above five points for them. So there was no true number one, and the same could be said with the Thunder because Lou had six, no one else had five or more on the Thunder in that frame. So a really rocky second quarter uh, really just kept things even moving into that second half and kind of kept the door open for the Thunder regardless. So you jump into quarter number three, and then it looks like it's done. You were waiting to see who struck first in the frame. It was the Dallas Mavericks, and they did not let go of things. They just pressed on the acceleration, kept zooming. Thunder were trailing by way too much here, and the Mavericks were able to muster up a 17-4 run in the first six minutes that put this to 70 to 48 22 points for the Mavs and when you're looking at a Thunder team that through 30 minutes only scored 48 they were shooting one of 10 from distance a quarter ago there's no real comeback effort that I could have seen I saw that whenever I I was kind of analyzing it I'm like yeah this is probably insurmountable they are able to tackle these leads but typically that comes from a place of hitting those perimeter shots or one in particular person SGA just going off and he was looking all right but I don't think he was at that level yet and he can always tick it up Uh, but 22 points given the circumstances I didn't think that was going to be really in the cards for a comeback OKC shot just two of 13 during that time one of six in the paint which was even more of a reason why I expected them to probably take a pretty big loss here just because paint play uh, that's kind of been their bread and butter uh, but everything kind of changed in the back end of the quarter six minutes remaining they are able to go on a 24 to 7 closing run seven of eight in all getting to the foul line whenever they need to and dallas went two of 12 put the game Just at five going into the fourth quarter. So they have that 17 point swing in six minutes, which is ridiculous. And now it's even playing level yet again. This was a run that I did not see coming like I expressed, but you take it. And when they're, you know, when the Thunder are at this level, when they're hitting their catch and shoot shots, when SGA is able to drive inside, they're pretty hard to tackle. And it's kind of what you got uh, to close that out. And going into the fourth, hoping for a little bit more from them, Um, but the magic kind of wore off a bit. Now, the Mavericks were not able to get this into double digits again. When you're looking at the fourth quarter, the largest lead was a plus eight advantage towards the Mavericks, and by the end of this game, the Mavs were kind of getting off their route i mean the thunder were getting these mini runs going into the final minutes you had a couple shots going for the thunder Trey Mann got to the line hit two free throws and it was a four point game um so it was not secured by any means and dallas kept choking up they missed a shot they fouled Aaron Wiggins on the other end could have cut this to a two-point game he missed both foul tries though and gave the Mavericks a lifeline what do they do go up the court miss miss shot for the thunder come back down another miss 0-2 there, and SGA gets to the line on the next possession. Two-point contest, anybody's game with 30 seconds to go, and they were just praying at that point. They were able to get this up to three off of a Tim Hardaway Jr. free throw, but it's one possession. Overtime is easily going to be in for the Thunder. They try to inbound the basketball, though. Turnover to Mike Muscala. And you have the Mavs cash in on the other end. So, five point game with really no time remaining. Thunder had to just send up a prayer, put in guys like Trey Mann, Ty Jerome, SGA. And they found uh, Ty Jerome, actually. 28 foot three, cuts it to two yet again. Uh, but they just didn't have the time. Like I said, you have these series of plays where kind of back and forth altering this two point lead. Um, but with like three seconds to go, 104 to 102, Thunder have a shot to win the game. They have an advanced inbound pass, and Josh Giddy tries getting it in, ends up being a turnover. That's game. Mavs barely survive 104 to 102. That's their third straight victory. And for the Thunder, that marks another loss in the books for them at 14 and 29. On the season, so I'm going to be discussing the main players from this game in one second. What's upcoming, and of course, the lottery. Uh, but first, I want to let you guys know about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook and the offer they currently have going on. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They are celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy football contests and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. But guys, moving on from the game itself, I kind of want to dig into the numbers from the contest because it's pretty damn interesting, man. There have been games where we've seen the one-man band of SGA. He's just a man starting the offense, initiating, he's getting to the foul line 15 times in the game, and nobody else is cracking double digits, right? That's what we saw against the Dallas Mavericks, and I'd say this was probably the biggest effort we have seen from him uh, maybe all season long in terms of just being that number one option. The Thunder kind of looked lifeless uh, when they were down 22 points. No real teamwork was going on. He didn't see any real shots going in from distance. Had just 3 assists in that second quarter. But you plug in SGA and he just starts going to his bag of tricks. He ended up finishing this game with 34 points, 6 rebounds, and 5 assists during play. To make it even bigger, Clutch Time dropped 23 of those 34 in the second half on eight of nine shootings so he really couldn't miss and he didn't miss it all at the line either six of six conversion rates just pounding it to the basket when you have a front court of Christophs Porzingis and Maxi Kleba that's a difficult task to just go there consistently but he does it on anybody Even against the Cavs, when you have Allen, when you have guys like Laurie Markinen and Evan Mobley, one of the best shot blockers, if not the best shot blocker from the rookie class, it doesn't matter. He's able to contort his body, able to dig in there to get that whistle or just straight up convert, Uh, and that's what he did. So 37 minutes for 34 points on 11 of 18, Uh, that's good stuff. And then going 11 of 12 from the free throw line, he's one of the best slashers in the NBA. That's no question. Uh, We've started to see, though, with SGA that a lot of his shots are coming at the paint. And these are high-quality looks. This is the best look that the Thunder have team-wide. And SGA drive, one-on-one, is going to get you probably upwards of like 1.2 or 1.3 shots per possession just because of how good of a look it is, whether it's off of a make or just straight up getting to the foul line and him... Being a pretty good foul shooter as well. But the one thing that SGA has shied away from, and obviously I don't think it was the key loss in this game, it was because he didn't have that number two, I believe. But he shot just one of four from three. And you're starting to see him get these catch-and-shoot opportunities and just pass up on them. He's never really been known as a catch-and-shoot guy. Uh, in the last two seasons, I think when he was with Chris Paul, when he was with Dennis Schroeder, he would take these catch-and-shoot looks way more uh, than not. But as of late, as he's been that number one and he's been a very good one, he's looked to be the just drive-and-dish master. And the three-point shot, if it's not on the ball, has kind of wilted away a little bit. So would I like to see more of these shots from Shea Gogus alexander I absolutely would we just haven't found it yet if he's able to start taking those shots again and he's shooting back like 35 plus percent on those catch and shoots then teams are going to have a serious problem because they're still looking to close out but the expectation is he's not going to take these catch and shoot looks if you're able to toss that back into kind of the chances here i think it could give you a lot more looks whether it's off those drives or even off of the dishes and the Thunder in this game had a lot of those good assists, had them from guys like SGA, Giddy had 5 assists as well, but they just couldn't really put 2 and 2 together when it came down to cashing in on distance 3s, and this is not their worst performance of the year at all, they shot 31% here, but 11 of 35... You yeah, know that's not going to be amazing for you. And they had a couple of guys who kind of stood out from the pack. Um, Giddy went 2 of 4. Aaron Wiggins went 2 of 4. But also guys like Ty Jerome shooting 2 of 6. Lou Dort, 2 of 5. Muscala, this is the big one, 1 of 4. Didn't have the game where he's dropping more points than he is minutes, you know? Um, so that can hurt. But, yeah, if you're not able to get those shots in, gonna kill you but also distribution it's gonna kill you they did get 20 assists which is above the threshold that uh, we've seen at some points I know last year they had this like 120 plus assist streak that was pretty damn lengthy actually Uh, maybe they're trying to look uh, and continue that for this season as well but you know you really cannot be upset with everything you got here with SGA's 34 Lou Dort, I think, was also good. You can't discredit him with his 18. Shot 7 of 14 and had 7 boards. But then there was that drop-off. It's a giddy was number 3. Just 10 points in 32 minutes on 4 of 10 shooting. And then, yeah, you, you dip. You dip a, a lot here. Wiggins, 31 minutes, only 8 points. And Darius Baisley, didn't mention this. First start in 20, or not not 27 he started 27 games took a month-long hiatus and got back in the starting rotation had a really tough time at it two points on one of eight shooting with six boards to go with it mark dagnault made the comment like he needs to drop 17 plus to stay as the long-term starter if he hits it he's going to be good to go for the rest of the year that's obviously got to be sarcastic i'm not taking that at face value at all um i think he could be a good starter for actually tonight's game and it's always situational with this team so even if he did play well in this game i'm not sure uh depending on the matchup if he'd even be the starter for uh what we'd see tonight but i do like what he would bring at least from an athletic standpoint i'll get to that in a second as to why uh but yeah this is not the way that he wanted to start things O of two from three one of six on the interior Just has to do a little bit better in that department. I will say in this game, they did a hell of a job defending Luka. Did have a triple-double, but 20 points on 4 of 17 shooting. Had to get it really all at the line. 11 boards and 12 assists to go along with that, but no true star. I'm going to give that as a check. So just fighting back in this game was a victory in my book. And also, it gives you a bit of an edge in terms of lottery standings. And this comes after a decent amount of games being played for the Thunder. They just concluded their 30, or excuse me, I believe it is their 43rd game of the year. Yes, 43rd game. So we're already past that midway point for a lot of these teams. They're actually above that uh, threshold just due to like COVID and uh, scheduling and, and such. But yeah, through this the Thunder are the fourth worst team in the league, giving them the fourth best lottery odds. Only teams above them, Orlando, Detroit, and Houston. Can you really be surprised? I'd say the only team that is a bit of a shocker would be the Houston Rockets. I really expected them to be a a solid team this year, actually. I thought Jalen Green would be just dropping 20 pieces all over. He's been good, and he's gotten that production, but just not at the rate I anticipated he would. Christian Woods had his numbers too. Same with KPJ, but they haven't been able to get it together. Uh, They've just been so inconsistent, and I really didn't think that would ever be an issue for them. Same with Indiana. They're knocking on the Thunder's door. They're just half a game back right now, and they had playoff aspirations. Same with the Pelicans, and same with the Spurs. They are just one and a half games back from OKC. With the Pels, you know, Zion, he's been gone all year, so I guess it makes some sense. With the Spurs, they've looked like they've been on the downhill, and I believe I projected them 13th in the conference this season, Uh, and they've been on that kind of line right now, but even then, you you know, you always seem to see the Spurs kind of pop off and always be in these games, so... Only 16 wins for them is a bit of a shocker. Uh, I just want to look at the Thunder, though. And I also want to look at the interesting effects of the Clippers draft pick. Whenever that got tossed in for the Paul George trade, I didn't think, and I don't think anybody thought, that it would be a valuable pick. It looked like a mid 20s pick, maybe late 20s. Hell, even number 30 because you have Kawhi and PG together. Um, But now it looks like a lottery pick, and this has to do with injuries. Kawhi Leonard is done for the season. When you look at Paul George's injury, it looks like it would take, you know, probably a month before they did evaluation. Now they have moved that date three to four weeks back. uh, So they are running a roster that is led by guys like Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard. Nicholas Batumas had to drop 30 plus points to give them wins during the absence of paul george and kawhi so they are really just a bare bones roster right now and there's even ideas of them wanting to trade off pieces uh, to build for uh, the future get more assets because they don't have these draft picks they only only have brandon boston uh, that i can think of right now that i could see as a future piece so if you're looking to trade guys like surge uh, maybe the morris twin just get something back that's always there I don't know if they're going to do that because if PG is back, they're still a playoff-level team. But right now, they are in the lottery. They are tied for 11th with a 22-23 and 23 roster. And it makes it very interesting in terms of lottery. Now, I got to give a shout-out to Tyler Carroll. If you guys remember when I was doing a work with Daily Thunder, I think I did about three pieces with them. One of those was an interview with Tyler Carroll, and if you don't remember him, uh, he's the guy last year who really just led Thunder Twitter in terms of draft analysis, and he he does a hell of a job. I've looked at the spreadsheet that he uses to get these numbers. It's legitimate stuff, and he has it already booted for this season, not just looking at the Thunder's draft pick, but also the LA Clippers draft pick, and I I just want to look at the combined odds here because you can look at the base if you... I'll, I'll I'll, let it off right now. OKC shot at number one is 12.96, number two, 12.29, 11.25 for third, 11.13 for fourth, and 6.9 for fifth. Um, but when you take into account where the Clippers are right now, it bumps it up and it actually makes them the top team in terms of getting picks one through four uh, and this is a result of the two combinations and when you look at the top three uh, this is actually a big jump if okc is able to slide into the third spot big ups to them it's a 14 percent chance for number one that is one percent more than where you're at right now you want to get as much capital as possible with the ping pong balls but with the clippers pick They actually have a 0.18% chance above the number one through number three picks. 14.13% chance of number one. 14% chance of number two. 13.29% chance of number three. And 13.48% chance of pick number four when you add those two together. And the one scenario that we were dreaming about last season, every Thunder fan was dreaming about it last season centralized around getting two picks in the top four and really that that wasn't in play last season it would have had to be uh through getting pick number five via houston um but you know there was always that possibility that you had that dream scenario of some sorts this season at this current point there is a 1.81 percent chance of a scenario like that playing out and this would just be two top four selections when you look at where those combos would come from over a third of that little loot would be picks three and four whether it be LA being that third pick or OKC being the third pick doesn't matter it's I think almost identical odds like 0.33 and 0.34 so if you're gunning for one and two it's going to be um pretty pretty difficult just 0.15 percent there uh, when you look at the first scenario and then number two uh, if it actually be the Clippers and the Thunder somehow there's higher odds here it would be 0.19 so I guess you can bump it up 0.34 percent chance of that one just keep your prayers out and maybe it will happen uh you still have like 40 games to play for some teams so this is far from over this is kind of my first lottery breakdown though of the season just keeping you guys up to date on everything there but moving on into the short term i'm gonna be talking about the upcoming game against the san antonio spurs and when you look at this without taking into account records it doesn't seem like that big of a game but when you do kind of has some heightened stakes 14 and 29 for okc right now spurs 16 and 28 disgusted a couple minutes ago just a 1.5 game separation in terms of lottery standings and yeah there is a lot of months to play here we're far from over in the regular season but when you get down to the wire These game gaps are going to make it or break it for you in terms of getting the best odds possible. So this is going to be one that could swing the OKC Thunder back a spot or two uh, depending on how Indiana plays. And then also the San Antonio Spurs with that loss and the Thunder win uh, would be in a pretty damn good spot. I believe it would just be a half game back for them uh, if that occurrence does kind of come upon itself for the thunder a loss here helps them try to slide back into three because uh, the houston rockets are 13 and 32 right now so that's still a possibility to get uh, a top three odd there Um, but just looking at these starters for the game uh, this is one where both sides match up pretty pretty well SGA versus DeJounte Murray is always going to be the key matchup when the Spurs come to town. DeJounte is one of the better defenders, not just on the perimeter, but also on the interior for backcourt guys. And for SGA, one of the best slashers in the NBA. So we'll see how the counter works there with DeJounte. And we'll see if SGA has to go back to the three-point line. We haven't seen him take many threes like I've discussed. This could be the game where he breaks that trend and maybe gets some positive results from it. If not, uh, look towards Josh Giddy as that secondary ball handler as always. He also has to face a pretty good defender in Derek White. Now, Derek White's not this 6'5 guy, right? Like, Giddy will have a lot of inches on him uh, if it comes down to just paint play in general. But you can never underestimate Derek White. Also has been a pretty good scorer from distance, same goes with Dejounte. So the backcourt is probably going to be uh, the big X factor in this game. Lou Dort versus Doug McDermott. Eh, I don't really see much. Doug McDermott, he is—he's a guy that any playoff team would want. I—I I wouldn't be surprised if he gets shipped off. Like the Spurs already traded Brand Forbes to get uh, Juan Hernan Gomez from the Celtics, I believe. So if they want to keep trading those sharpshooters to try to get some capital. I could see Doug being off the list, maybe sliding Lonnie Walker as that starting three for the future. Uh, but, you know, Doug, he can always get you 12, 15 pretty quietly just based off his three point game. Not much on the inside, though. And with Lou, he's more the inside guy now, even though he is a co- uh, competent three point shooter. Now, the interesting one is that the power forward spot, I think, because Keldon Johnson, in my eyes, is his second best player on the san antonio spurs kind of the same breed as darius Baisley, where yeah he's a bit undersized for the position long wingspan though really really athletic and it somehow works he gets his inside and i think with that matchup i would much rather have darius Baisley playing there as opposed to these lineups where it's aaron wiggins or it's favors and jeremiah robinson are all together I think this is not just a great battle for Bays to match up on the defensive end, but also offensively against a player in Keldon who is more of that small forward archetype anyways, who has that lateral quickness, who isn't just going to get beat strictly off off of foot speed uh, when it comes to penetration. So he had a bad first test in the game against the Mavericks. Give him a second shot against the Spurs. This might be the best one-on-one matchup that that basically could find in like the next couple of weeks, so gotta capitalize on that. And then at the center spot, I really don't know if Derek Favors is going to start here, but I'd much rather have Derek Favors in terms of winning. If you're trying to win this game, I think the matchup of Favors versus Jakob Pertle is going to be much better for you. Purtle is much that more like back-to-basket big, right? And he's a very good rebounder, very good in the post. Derek Favors is a better post defender than Jeremiah Robinson Earl. This is kind of the same situation if you put, like, Isaiah Roby here. Roby is athletic. He is able to pop it from distance. But when it comes to just the ground-and-pound game, if Jakob wants to go there, Jacob's going to win majority of those possessions. So I think, realistically, it's going to be Jeremiah being that starting five. But if Favors is there, that gives the Thunder some increased chances, I think at snagging that w so after this game i should be able to get a recap out to you guys if not should be the next couple of days trying to get back on this schedule since getting out of covid protocols feeling pretty good right now so been trying to pump out some pods gonna be typing on si thunder tonight as well so watch out for the top performers from the game and watch out for the top performers in next pod um but Other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.